0: Welcome to the Conversations with Christians Engaged podcast, where we go in-depth with practical ways for you to pray, vote, and engage. Today we are joined by Kyle Martin. Kyle is the founder of Time to Revive, and he will be discussing the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it is the only hope for the future of America.
1: Christians Engaged, coming to you with another episode of our Conversations with Christians Engaged. I'm hanging out at a church, and I am so blessed to have my friend Kyle Lance Martin with us today from Time to Revive. Um, Before I let Kyle introduce himself, I'm going to just say the impact that this man and his wife and this ministry has had on my own life. Um, A few years back, we had a major move of God called Revive Texas, where Kyle and his team organized over 300 churches to come together in unity in the spirit of John 17. Not sure how that happens, but to all join around one simple thing. Let's get outside of our comfort zone and share the gospel. So me and my husband were pastoring at the time, a little house church movement, and we signed up to be one of those partner churches, not really understanding what we were signing up for. I went to my first uh, ministry night, the very first night and ended up staying for the message. Kyle preached on hungering and thirsting after righteousness. I landed on the floor, I'll never be the same. And you know, 40 days later, I was at every single service, I think during that and shut down my company, took people out on the streets. It was a radical move of God in DFW forever thankful. So Kyle, just love you. you. I'll let you introduce yourself, but I just wanted to tell you how much really that impacted my life. And somehow I got hooked up to be the regional leader of the Orange Region um, of East Dallas County after that. And six months later, I'm running for Congress. So who knew that <laughs> sharing the gospel and running for Congress were connected, but somehow in God's plan, they were. So Kyle needs time to revive. Tell us about yourself, Kyle.
2: Uh, Bunny, it's a pleasure to be here. I I just love your, uh, I love your spirit. I actually love that there's a sign behind your head that says giving, because honestly, when I think of you, like you just keep giving up of yourself for the kingdom of God. Like you truly are pouring into people's lives to draw, draw them closer to Christ. That's how I've always known you. And so like mm-hmm. from the minute you were in the orange region, for those that don't know what the orange region is, it means that Revive Texas, we broke it up into 10 regions. We had different colors uh, for people and we needed people to spearhead those regions. And, you know, let's face it, to get people to go out into their culture, into their community, to show the love of Christ, as strange as this sounds, is actually difficult. And so when you see people that are like-minded, that have the similar heartbeat like you and I and my wife and our families do, uh, you naturally just gravitate towards one another. You know, you naturally want to, to, to encourage each other. And so, you know, Laura and I, we started Time to Revive uh, 13 years ago. Um, wow. And it started when I finished up at Dallas Seminary. I just started walking the land is really what happened in Dallas. And I said, God, what would it look like if we started seeing revival and I I honestly I only knew it by studying it. I'd never experienced anything like it and so you know it's fun for me when the power of prayer initiates uh, something in your own life and so that's really how time revive was birthed it was birthed out of prayer walking through the city of Dallas for six days and then from there we started getting invited into cities Lord willing bringing the church together and when I say the church that means like we're bringing Baptists and Pentecostals and Methodists and Mennonites and AGs and you name it. And it's blacks, whites, Hispanics. It's everybody that would reflect the body of Christ to come together. Because really in John 17, it says that when we are one, like the father and son are one, then they will know that Jesus is Lord, that the father sent Christ. And so for us, uh, that's always been our heartbeat here in this country. Our heartbeat has been, God, would you rally the church to reflect Christ? And uh, funny, it's not always the easiest, but that's still our heartbeat.
1: Amen. Well, we're having this conversation a couple days before the election, okay? Mm -hmm. And the reason why we're having this conversation, and we're going to be talking about the power of the gospel, we're going to be talking about discipleship and the real, real essence of what the church should be doing in this hour. Um, I wanted to have this conversation with Kyle a couple days before the election for a reason because. We, in the political movements, get so focused so so much on saving our nation, which is such a great calling, believe me. I am honored to be called to pray for our nation, to vote, and to stir up the church to have their um, civic duties, and to make sure that we're voting biblical values. As you guys know, that's what we talk about at Christians Engage all the time. But in reality, God is in control of what happens over the next couple days. And the church has a purpose. The church, there's nothing else that matters but the sharing of the gospel. The gospel is the good news and it is the plan, the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. So Kyle is such a perfect example to me of someone that has lived out this message. So Kyle, talk about a little bit, and by the way, we're both from Indiana. We're Indiana Transplants to Texas. Woo! Woo! um but talk to us a little bit about walking the streets of Dallas sharing the gospel sharing the gospel up in Indiana a little bit of some of your experiences of how that's kind of changed communities
2: you know let me just start off if we're both from Indiana you need to know this do you know what a Hoosier is bunny
1: I um learned that it's in American history actually from David Barton the other day
2: so uh, Hoosier, which by the way, David Barton was one of your first interviews, right? Is that right?
1: It was a recent one.
2: Okay, so here's what I love about this is that when we started radio, Time Revive, as a part of us going out, it started because I'd go out in Dallas and I'd share the gospel. And we would then be live and then we'd put that on the radio. Well, we'd have certain nights that I wouldn't do that. And David Barton was my first ever interview that I ever did. And like, man, that guy oh. is just steeped you know, steeped in understanding about, you know, following Christ. I was born on the 4th of July. My heart is truly for this nation. And if, and so for me, when we started hitting the streets, uh, what's so interesting is, is like if I said that to an everyday person in the church, you know how many people would freak out? They'd be like, I'm, I'm not going to go talk to somebody out on the streets, right? Like, why would I do that? And so anyway, in all this process, we, we learned more and more things. And one of those things was a Hoosier, Um, being both from Indiana, a Hoosier was actually somebody, it was a group of people that followed uh, an individual, I won't get into all the details, but followed an individual that was a believer. And so the people that followed uh, Mr. Hoosier, that was his name, they called them Hoosiers. And so Hoosiers were actually a reflection of Christianity. They were followers of Christ. So multiple people in Indiana have, you know, zero clue, but we had people do background research and all this. And so I think part of my DNA, your DNA is to reflect Christ, is to share the gospel. I mean, yes. I, I just that's how the Lord has, has wired us. And so when people think about sharing the gospel, I'd rather just take it back just a second. And, and really, it's we've been given a gift. Mm-hmm. I also don't know how to describe this. You know, in Ephesians 2, it, talk, it talks about, you know, you embrace this gift that's been given to us, not because we're working for it, not because we're earning it. I believe it's because Christ has given us this gift. And so the question is, just like a king, if a king was to entrust you with a gift, like what would you do with it, right? You would want to make the most of this gift. And I think that's the challenge in the church today is that we're, we're hiding the gift. We're burying it in the backyard. And the reality is, is in today's society, people need now more than ever to know about this gift. And we're so concerned about political correctness. We're so concerned about fear of man but look fear of god is what should drive us yes when when i'm talking about fear of god people are like oh you must be talking about reverence and awe." that's part of it the other part of it is is like you know i'm a little scared of god like that's a part of it And, and imagine this bunny and i love this analogy for myself is imagine if the king gave you something and you knew that he was coming back and he was coming back to know what did you do with my gift and I would just say, man, my, my job is to give it away. And so for me, over 13 years, it's almost like we're, we don't know how to give away this gift. And it, it, it breaks my heart that we would keep it to ourselves. And I'll go one step further. We think this gift can only exist inside a church building. Right. And I think what's happened inside this pandemic that we've seen of this COVID stuff, is my prayer has been that we're not waiting to go back into a building, but we're rather saying, how can I make the most in my neighborhood? And so over 13 years, we've seen America is hungry for this truth. They're hungry for this gift. The question is, is, you know, do we know how to do this? And so that's been our calling is to equip the saints. That's been our calling. You know, in Indiana, we got invited by an Amish guy. And he said, would you come pray for revival and teach us how to engage our culture? And so we did. And so in 2015, we taught people, and it started off funny. Can you imagine this? Think about this. Imagine it started with like 450 people praying. By the end of 52 days, we had 10,000 people. Now you wow. gotta understand, in northern Indiana, you don't see that. And I just really believe when the church comes together, actively says, "I'm going to leave my my comfort zone and go deliver the gospel." And, you know, this is even sounds sad, but you have to come to terms with the gospel is even anymore. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, we talk about everybody's sins, which leads to death, and that because of God's love through Christ's death on the cross, when we have faith in him, we have eternal life. And we talk through this message of salvation. And, uh, you know, we've seen it kind of all over the United States, Bunny. And uh, I wouldn't want to do anything else but this.
1: It's so powerful, Kyle. So when I started going out, it took me a couple weeks before I could actually go out with you guys on the streets. But when I did, the day I went out um, with our good friend, Wade Aaron, we actually led like a whole soccer team to the Lord that day. We led a guy that um, went upstairs, got all his alcohol and threw it in the trash can, right? And so I got addicted the first time I went out with y'all. And I'm, you know, I'm not a shy person, as you know, but here I was steeped in politics. And I, and I think this is what people need to understand that listen to us, are, that are political activists, that we, we can kind of sign, sometimes kind of just stay in our box. And this is what God's called us to do. And we forget sometimes that it's our responsibility to share the gospel, to share the good needs of Jesus, because at the end of the day, a political party, whoever is president, uh, whoever's our state rep is not going to save the world. The only thing that changes hearts and minds is the transformation that only comes from the Holy Spirit by accepting the good news of who Jesus is and his death, burial, and resurrection. So yes. for me, here I am when, when all this started walking with you guys. You know, I worked for a member of Congress, I had all these clients, and, you know, I worked for the county commissioner, I worked for the state senator, I worked for all these important people. And I started going to laundromats in Mesquite with people that are like gangbangers, right? And I totally became a broken person, Kyle. There's Mm -hmm. something that happens when you expose yourself. uh, I don't care how important you are. If you got a picture with the governor last week to the, the basicness of humanity and people that all need Jesus, just like you do, right? And so I just really encourage people that are watching us or listening to this, if you're really involved with politics, that it's so important. It's so important what we do um, as a movement. But at the end of the day, what happens at this election, it's about Jesus and sharing his light and his love with the people around us. And the only way we transform this culture is changing worldviews, and that's changing hearts and minds. Amen? Okay, you're supposed to be preaching, not me. Okay, Amen. Kyle, so talk about um, discipleship. Okay? Yeah. Well, first of all, let's back up. Talk about your Amazon Prime documentary where you took yeah. your kids out on the streets.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I live in uh, Richardson, Texas, you know, it's a suburb of Dallas. And during the pandemic, my travel stopped from being in the nation and overseas. And so I said, you know, I can do this right here in my own neighborhood. So I was literally praying on my bathroom floor, asking the Lord in prayer time for direction. And he said, I want you to go out every day for 31 days. So every day at four o'clock in the afternoon, I would hit the streets. Now, what hit the streets means, it means I'm in my car, I'm driving around and I'm praying, God, who do you want me to minister to today? Like, and that could be just going into McDonald's. That could be, well, they weren't open at the time. So you did a drive-through, whatever the context was. And so I went for a mile and a half up to three miles from my house. I never went into Dallas. I stayed in Richardson. Sometimes I'd take my little buddy Jude or Sayla or Maya or Nadia or my wife, Laura. But overall, it was just me listening to the Holy Spirit. And here's what I want to say. There's this weird misnomer that like listening to the Holy Spirit is weird. Like, I want to encourage you. Romans 8 says, for those that are led by the Spirit are sons of God. Like, why else is the Holy Spirit inside of us? To guide us and direct us, to help advance the kingdom of God. And so for me, that's all I wanted to do. 31 days, God, I don't know what this is going to look like. Well, what happened is, is over the course of two weeks, I started like connecting with locals. And I was like, God, I can't keep going, talking to new people. I got to start pouring into these people right here. And it ranged from a grandmother and her, her granddaughter. It ranged from a 19-year-old daughter that had two kids. She was expecting a third, living with nine people in a, in a two-bedroom apartment. It, it ranged from a college student that was running track that lived just nearby. Like, and then it, it ranged from a 17-year-old kid that had no family, no job, nothing. And he's living by himself. And all of this came from literally listening to the spirit. That's not weird language. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and follow in John 10. And so this documentary was not our original goal. We were just filming everyday one-minute clips just to encourage people. But by the end, what we started to see, and and maybe this will throw some people off, was there wasn't much of a difference between evangelism and discipleship. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, is you know, Bonnie, you know, we, we use the gospel using these colorful wristbands. We have this little blue Bible that walk people through the scriptures. but And it's so easy
1: for everybody to learn how to share the gospel. Extremely easy.
2: It is. And here's the weird part. That's easy, but discipleship is ridiculously messy. Yes. And what I started to see was I'd go back home, 5.30, 6, 5 o'clock, after talking to these people, and I could not stop thinking about what they were going through right now. And so instead of me saying, hey, go to this church, which is good, or go talk to this person, God said, you need to do this, Kyle. So the Lord opened up a door for us to create a documentary called The One Who Hears, A Call to Obedience. Uh, Prime Video picked it up. It's on YouTube. It's also on theonewhohears.com. But our whole goal was, is it, The One Who Hears. Yeah, it was me, but it's about all of us. It's about those that we're engaging. Uh, it's about all of us trusting hearing his voice. It won't contradict the word Bunny, uh, at all. In fact, the Holy Spirit will always reveal truth. And so this documentary was a picture of how do I begin to do life with these people? That's really what this thing came down to. And I think, you know, when you look at Christ, he poured into disciples for three years. He didn't do it for a week. He didn't do it for a month. And what I've seen in my life is that as I've gone through church, I hope that they'll come with me. I hope they'll join my Sunday school class. I hope that they're a part of a a smaller group that we're a part of. But it doesn't usually work like that with the lost. You know, there's a reason Jesus went after the lost sheep. And so what this documentary does is it portrays um, every one of us can listen to the Holy Spirit in our own neighborhoods. And it doesn't have to be weird. Do you know how many times I've done this over ice cream? I've eaten more ice cream, honey, because it's food. You just dialogue with people and you point them closer to Christ. And
1: Chocolate,
2: gonna... coffee, or vanilla is what I want to know. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and, you know, McDonald's smoothies are amazing. Dairy Queen uh, dip cones are amazing.
1: I can oh, go through yeah. a whole list.
2: Uh, you know, but I, I, I really think what we've done is that they've done studies that there are moves of God overseas. They call them discipleship making movements, DMMs. It's been proven all over. They're happening all over the world. And they can't prove that there's one of them in the United States. Mm, so wow! Tell, to tell me how does that work we are the largest majority in the country the church the church is the largest majority and yet we are the quietest people in our country you know you talk about elections coming up you want to talk about sh- radically changing our country and our culture it's the church yes When is the church going to step up to the voice that he's given each one of us and it only happens when we trust his voice it only happens when we realize we've been given a gift We got to stop picketing outside saying, man, this is their fault or that's their fault. They're acting like the culture. Right. We have to reflect Christ. And when we reflect Christ, it's messy. Like last night, I got a call that said, hey, could you bring us some toilet paper and some baby wipes? Now, I'm not knocking anybody on the scenario at all. It's just called life. When babies are growing in the Lord, there's no time limit. Yeah. There's no cost. So Americans, though, Bunny, we like it in a box, we like it clean, and I want to know if I can budget it.
1: Well, during these 40 days, was it 40 or 50 days of time to revive? Okay, 50, 50 days. days. 50 days. During this 50 days, like, I got to leave this beautiful African-American woman with her two children to the Lord, right? And I, I can't remember how it happened, but let's just say they moved in with us. <laughs> for like a month right and it was totally we're talking a little cutest little three-year-old little boy ever a little uh, 13 year old daughter we ended up uh, discipling them we ended up baptizing them in our backyard Um, our whole little house church at the time adopted them we ended up moving them helping them move back with her family in Arizona it was just really an amazing thing but I use that as an example because yeah I Tim and I used to pastor house churches okay we've had people throw up on our living room floor while we're preaching right kids we've had drunk people come to our you know house like hey if I can get to bunny and Tim's house I'm going to be okay completely drunk like ridiculous stuff it's not fun sometimes that's right there's many days that I many Friday nights of 10 years of doing house church that I wanted people out of my house I'm like get Mm -hmm. out of my house but at the end of the day, that's not the spirit of Christ. And right. we have a problem, and I've been talking to people in our political movements that we have to, the same thing we have crisis in the church is the same problem we have with the political movements. We have older folks that are not teaching the Constitution to the younger generation. That's right. We have activists that have been trying to save America for years, not explaining to the next group why it's important and why they've mm. been doing it. Talk to us for a minute about. The discipleship crisis. <laughs> yeah. It's a yeah. crisis, my friend. Yeah. It's our, me and you's heartbeat yeah. for yeah.
2: this country. You know, I think, it, I think evangelism and discipleship, it's both a crisis in our country. And, and really what's happened is, is that we haven't seen it modeled like Christ modeled it. Now, understand this. There is the remnant. There is the pocket that are doing, that are doing this in the United States. But I'm talking generally speaking, what we've seen in evangelism in America. And God has used this. I came to know the Lord through a crusade. So I have nothing against crusades, but we depend upon somebody else to deliver the message. Same thing in discipleship. In discipleship, discipleship is somebody pouring into you, regardless of who you are, regardless of honestly how you respond, but they're just loving on you. And discipleship, it really means going out of your way. So the crisis is, is that people are self-centered and we don't wanna go out of our way. And so why would we see discipleship move When we can't get people to, you know, I remember doing on the radio years ago, I remember one of the biggest arguments in the church was the pews. People would not give up certain seats in their pews. If they can't give up their pews, I guarantee you, they're not going to pour into people. So when we haven't had it modeled like the first century, then that's a problem. And that's where I was going with, you know, you're seeing these move of gods overseas. It's not dependent upon one person of a hierarchy. It's not dependent upon one leader The moves of God are taking place because they're owning it themselves and they're pouring into their neighbors. That's the key is that we have to shift. So this documentary portrays like it's dependent upon you and me in our neighborhoods. And so I think if we've never been modeled it, the only place you can go is to the, to the gospels. Let's see how Christ does it. And let's do our best through the spirit of God to do this in our own time. And I believe God will honor that and uh, i know for me it's it's changed my life and the beauty of jesus
1: is he didn't care if someone was rich or poor or that's where right. they came from or their family heritage he was the same person everywhere that's right and that's, that's, that's right. something that's completely convicting to me am i the same person when i'm with a member of yeah. congress am i the same yeah. person when i'm hanging out with this african american family that's at right. the laundromat in mesquite right that's right you know are we the same people wherever we go and and so you've developed, and I know I've discipled uh, people and written Bible studies and discipleship manuals. I mean, you've done that as well. Um, tell us about, you know, if you are discipling somebody, Kyle, what would it look like? Um, yeah. Would you take them through a book? Would you take them through a revived school, which is amazing. Yeah. We can talk about revived school too. <laughs> um, but what would you do? If yeah. you, these people in your neighborhood, what do you do with them?
2: Yeah, and and here's, I'm going to give you the worst answer ever, bunny. There's no formula to this thing. There's none. And that's the problem. That's what we want. We want A to Z. If I get to know David, a 17 year old kid that has no family, no friends, and he barely speaks English, how do I do this? If I pour into a 19 year old uh, mother of two kids, that life is going to look different than my 17 year old. And I, I have four words, and it's so simple. You've heard this, bunny, over and over again. You love him first. You love them right where they're at. And as you love them, you listen to them. And I'm telling you, as Christians, (laughs) we shove it down their throats. And I'm saying the truth is the truth. Don't compromise. So that's not what I'm saying. But when you love and you listen to them, the spirit of God will allow you to discern what they need. Some person might need to go through the gospels. Remember the college kid? He just has all kinds of questions. And they're great questions. What's meditation? Tell me about hell. And so like, all of that is a discernment on how I'm going to respond. You want to know what's happened for a month with one family? I just eat a meal over there with them. And I pray that my my life would reflect that. Now, discipleship, I believe, is different than mentorship. Discipleship, in my opinion, is pointing people always to Christ, always. So my end goal from beginning to end, from the minute that I share the gospel, the minute that I do a meal with them, I have no problem telling them, I'm going to point you to Christ. That's my desire. And so what's the formula? I think the end goal is that they're doing this for somebody else. That's the bottom line. And I'll even make it one more step. Second Timothy says, not only are they supposed to be doing this, but they're supposed to be teaching somebody else. So in this process, you are going through the word of God. It could be one Bible verse. It could be a Bible study, but the word of God will point them to Christ. And you have to be intentional. And this is my last thing on discipleship. Here's what I'd say. Either all of this is true or none of this is true. Mm. We've got to stop playing games culturally in the church that says, you know, I don't like that part. I'm not going to teach it. Christ gave hard truths to everybody. And if they embraced it, they kept going. If they didn't, they quit. And so I think in discipleship, you got to communicate the hard truths in the process.
1: So good. So good. I mean, the reality is, um, you know, if we just get people around the Bible and and, you know, sometimes you have to spoon feed them, right, the Bible? Yeah,
2: that's right.
1: <laughs> the reality of the children on milk is true, and then that's we right. get them into more and more meat. Um, but we're, we're cultivating, um, you know, personal disciplines in their life that hopefully they go back to and, and they cultivate in their own life. You know, when my husband and I came from very different backgrounds, Tim was a drug addict for years and years, and I'm a preacher's kid, Right. Uh, Very, very different backgrounds. But we had a spiritual father that had a home group back when I was 18 and he was 24. And this man and his wife, they had just invited us over for dinner. We were single young people, you know, have us over, taught us how to pray. Like, hey guys, we're going to kneel down right now and we're going to pray. Hey, let's, we're going to think about the second coming of Jesus right now. Let's do that. You know, whatever it was, they, he actually showed me how to create a budget. He showed me how he saved money. He taught me so much in my life. Uh, And, and I always go back to brother Danny, what's his name? Brother Danny to say, you know, I need to do that for somebody else, right? right? When God's given me wisdom, it's really just giving the simple things that you know to the next generation um and that's something that we just you know we stay isolated so much of the time right
2: sure. so
1: let's talk for a few more minutes at our final moments this has turned into a, the power of the gospel podcast um talk to us about the power of the gospel kyle obviously you've been doing this for a long time and you get up every day and continue to move forward because of one thing the power of the gospel Uh, What are some stories that you've experienced in your life or your ministry that keeps you moving forward when you get up and you're tired?
2: Oh man, that's such a great question because you got to keep your hands to the plow and not take them off. And I think that's so key. And the harvest is so plentiful. You know, I I think about the factories when we were in Indiana, we got invited into over 20 some factories and we got to go in and and literally share the gospel with hundreds of workers. They would stop the lines. Can you imagine? like the factories that make recreational vehicles would stop their lines so that we could share the gospel. I think about going into Ohio and we'd go from high school to high school to high school. Public schools, yes, it can still happen today. Don't buy into that lie that it can't happen, I'm telling you. And right. so, yes, we got to go into these athletic teams, football teams, basketball teams, volleyball teams, cross country teams. One of my favorites was the bowling team. We got to share the power of the gospel and individuals' lives were changing like in, in by embracing the truth. But here's the one thing that really rocked my world, Bunny. I'll never forget this. Uh, I went along, you would know some of these individuals and some folks, we, we traveled overseas and I met with the prime minister of a country, of a European country. And I'll never forget the night before, I was at a restaurant, I was, uh, I, actually I was just getting into the hotel room and a friend of mine, Ray Sturtevant, uh who's a part of Time Revive, he's part of Upper Room, he's got a ministry called Minding the Truth. And he sent me a text that said, hey, by the way, I think you need to share uh, the power of forgiveness to this prime minister. Now, I was thinking, uh, by the way, it's a Muslim country, 90 plus percent Muslim country. Okay, so Love I remember that. this. And in fact, we were talking about Israel here, they got the flag here, we were talking about the United States. But really, what we were talking about is that when you look to the Word of God, Uh, It can change lives and you can experience forgiveness. And I remember all the political figures, great friends were going through, talking through Israel, talking through the United States. We weren't representing anybody. We 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 were Christians talking about, you know, the power of prayer. And at the end, I just remember thinking, man, am I supposed to talk to this prime minister about the power of forgiveness and the gospel? And I just kept thinking, no way, no way, God. And then instantly, the one who hears, the spirit of God said, Kyle, I want you to do it. I've asked you to do this now. If you can do this in factories, if you can do this with school people, if you can do this with your neighbors, I want you to do it with the prime minister. There's no favoritism here. Share the gospel. And talk, talk more about the power of forgiveness. And, and, Bunny, I'll just say I did. And I just remember the looks like, what? What? And I'll never forget we closed that time of prayer in this, this European country uh, in prayer. Mm. And I believe God has answered some radical prayers uh, just for the sake of just keeping it, it just God has moved right in powerful ways. And I just want to encourage people that are listening, whether it's in your schools or whether it's in the political world, you represent Christ first and foremost as an ambassador of Him. And everywhere else. you go.
1: That's, That's right. right.
2: Everywhere you go. and the power of gospel will change it's nothing that we say. and in fact, it doesn't matter how we say it. <laughs> Because most of the time, it doesn't come out great, buddy. It's just like, ah! But yet, when the power of gospel penetrates, in fact, just today, uh, I shared the gospel with folks in in Pakistan. And to see lives change, uh, it's pretty powerful. And I would encourage anybody that's listening, maybe you've known Christ, or maybe that you have walked away for Christ, or maybe you're intrigued, all I can just tell you, he will change your life. What Christ did on the cross will change your life if you surrender to him. Uh, it's done, he's done that for my life. And my prayer is that he'll do that for anybody that's listening.
1: Amen. Well, he loves us and, and his love is chasing after us. And then we're captivated by his love. You know, my heart was captivated by his love when I was 13 years old. I've never been the same. And the reality is um, we, we talk to people about walking with the Lord and walking in his presence, even in the midst of politics that horrible mudslinging thing that nobody wants to get involved with. But the reality, we can walk with God in the midst of this and live out the beatitudes uh, of being hungering and thirsting, being poor of spirit, um, realizing that we're in utter need of Jesus, even in the midst of walking in power or with powerful people or doing powerful things. Um, But it comes down to just knowing how much we're loved. right? Knowing how much we've been saved from. And I just want to encourage everybody that's listening as we are about to go into this election. At the end of the day, Jesus is on the throne. Mm -hmm. He loves you. He loves us. And I'm going to wake up the next day of this election, whether it went my way that I think it should have gone or not, and just be thankful that I'm alive, thankful that I still have a father who loves me, and thankful that the, the power of the gospel is what is going to transform generations of Americans in the days to come. come. And it's up to us. And I just really encourage you to go to Time to Revive's website. Go to Revive School. Kyle taught through the entire Bible. You can do an entire Bible study with him uh, for two years. I'm still working on mine, slowly. keep getting distracted. Uh, but uh, the reality is you can do it at your own pace. If you've never read through the Bible, you can read through the Bible with Kyle Martin. It's just so, so powerful. The resources these guys have created, you can watch videos of how to share the gospel. And Kyle, what we're doing with Christians Engage is when we get unlocked from COVID, Uh, We're going to be going back into festivals and talking to Christians about their responsibility to their nation, but we're not going to leave it at that. We're going to be training our folks as we've been to share the gospel to the lost, because at the end of the day, that's the only transforming power that our nation has. So thank you for joining us today.
2: What a delight, Bunny. I love your spirit. Keep it up. And uh, thanks for having me.
1: Oh, thank you. So y'all, let's get going. America's worth saving. It's time for us to pray, vote, engage, and change America. When you walk in the room, everything changes because Jesus goes with you. As Kyle said, if you don't know the Lord, come to him right now. We would love to lead you to Jesus. So call us on our website and we'll take care of that for you. Okay, and subscribe to this podcast, share it with friends, and let's go change America with the power of Jesus Christ as Christians engage. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for joining us today. This podcast is a production of Christians Engaged. We are a nonpartisan, nonprofit that exists to awaken, motivate, and educate ordinary believers in Jesus Christ to pray for our nation regularly, vote in every election, and engage our hearts in some form of political activism. To learn more about us, please visit our website at christiansengaged.org. That's christiansengaged.org.